Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's go ahead and lift up our voice one more time before we get started here this morning. Hallelujah, Lord. We thank you for your goodness and your presence in this place. Hallelujah, Lord. There's no one like you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for the move of your spirit. Hallelujah, Lord. We thank you for being an on-time God. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. You may be seated at this time. Hallelujah. God is good. Does anybody believe that here this morning? Amen. Anybody struggling to be awake this morning? Amen. Well, let's go ahead and try to get through this together, and hopefully in the process we'll wake up a little bit and get engaged. I know I'm talking to myself, and, uh, and we'll hear what the Lord is, is doing here today. In Jesus' name. I want to turn your attention to uh, Genesis chapter 3. I have... Uh, some place I want to go here this morning, and I want to talk to each of us in relation to this world and our relationship with God. Uh, Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. I'm just going to read this briefly, and then Second uh, Samuel chapter 13. Genesis 3, 1 says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of the tree of the garden? I'm going to leave it at that. So, in the very beginning, it's interesting to notice uh, the serpent's or Satan's approach to deception. It wasn't in your face or obvious. It wasn't a blatant thing. It wasn't, you know, a direct, don't do this because, you know, blaspheming God. He, it was very subtle. It wasn't obvious. It's also important to notice how sin and, and Satan has a way of inserting itself into one's life by taking advantage of innocence or ignorance. So because they didn't know any better or because they were innocent in how subtle the approach was that Satan took to try to tempt Eve. 2 Samuel chapter 3, verse 3 through 5. Another familiar scripture with another familiar approach. It says, But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shimea, David's brother. Which So Jonadab was Amnon's cousin. And Jonadab was a very subtle man. And he said unto him, Why art thou, being the king's son, lean from day to day? Wilt thou not tell me? And Amnon said unto him, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. And Jonadab said unto him, Lay thee down on thy bed, and make thyself sick. And when thy father cometh to see thee, say unto him, I pray, let my sister Tamar come and give me meat and dress the meat in my sight that I may see it and eat it at her hand. So as the story continues on, I wanted to just point out a couple of things. Amnon takes Jonadab's advice and gets his half-sister to come to his bedside. In a very subtle approach, he took the advice of his friend. And 
He got her to come into his bedchamber and eventually defiled her, ruined her life, and ultimately ended his life. So I wanted to point out how subtle this approach was. And it seemed to be something that was going to help him accomplish a good thing. In this case, Amnon's chance to be with the girl that he loves. It was very appealing. It was his friend's advice. And he's like, you know what? Why don't you go ahead and, and just act like you're sick. And maybe she'll come in there. And then, you know, maybe things will get started. And, but it was a very subtle approach that he put that in there to try to get Amnon to do some things. Or Amnon took it and ran with it. But its deception filters the focus. This, this deception, it seemed good, but it kind of filtered the focus that led to Amnon's folly. The subtlety of Jonadab planted a seed of deception that really strangled Amnon's budding flower of love. And it transformed it into a dying weed of lust. Instead of approaching his love in the right manner, he was shown an alternative avenue to fulfill his heart's desire. And it eventually led to his destruction. So I wanted to say that uh, because a big part of what we face today is that not everything that we see in this world is so black and white. In many cases, right and wrong is not clearly stated. It's not clearly laid out. And, and sometimes it can be a little difficult to discern. Uh, for example, is it, is it wrong for me to watch that? I mean, I don't, have a, a, I don't have a list in my house that says, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. So sometimes, you know, we got to use our, our best judgment. It's not, it's not all black and white. Is it wrong for me to watch that? Or how much is, is too much? Uh, is it bad to go there? There's not necessarily a rule book that I have that I can flip through everything and be like, okay, is it wrong to uh, watch this particular movie? Or is it wrong to, to necessarily eat this much? I mean, it's so good. And, and so there's not necessarily a rule book that says that we can't do that. And so the culture that we uh, live in or the culture of this world is, is subtly wearing away at the moral fabric of our minds. A culture that once projected a clearer contrast between right and wrong, um, but has changed. The subtlety of sin is fading the definition of good and evil and right and wrong. It's blurring the lines. It's not such a, a commonly seen thing anymore. It's kind of hard because it's just good is, is being called evil and evil is being called good. And, and with all the confusion and all the, the, the stuff that's going on, it's kind of it's difficult. If we're not paying attention, you might be falling into a trap. Because sin can be very subtle and it can kind of sneak into your life. And if we're not paying attention and if we're not focusing, we might make some, some pretty big mistakes. And, and I don't know if you've noticed that pastor or maybe somebody that's godly in your life isn't, uh, may not be following you around 24-7. So you can't always just ask them, well, is this bad? Should I not do this? And so what I'm saying is it's going to take some things in our life to, to get us focused because not everything is going to be laid out for you. It's not all the, the Ten Commandments. It's not all just laid out in there. Um, so this is something that you and I have to face and we have to pay attention to. 
And much, much of what you and I struggle with today requires spiritual maturity to navigate successfully. Spiritual maturity. So if, if we're to be mature Christians, then we should be able to at least define what sin is. So when I say mature Christians, I'm not talking about uh, older people who've been in church for a while. Because uh, I noticed that sometimes me just coming to church and uh, from day to day or from week to week doesn't necessarily uh, mean that I'm maturing. Doesn't necessarily mean that I'm growing in my relationship, in my spiritual understanding. So what I'm saying is in spiritual maturity is in our relationship with God, in, in our understanding of his word in revelation. So spiritual maturity is different than physical maturity. And so, but to navigate in this world, we need to be spiritually mature. Not just because of this day and age, but in general. Because, you know, as we grow, when we are born again, we are babies in this. And that's why babies, you'll see, run around and, and do some things because they don't know any better. And that's, you know, there's a, there's, we allow a leeway because the baby's learning. But we can't be babies forever <clears throat> because we, we have to recognize that we're not always going to have uh, our leadership around all the time to ask these questions. We have to learn how to grow so that eventually we can feed ourselves, so that we can actually go out and sustain ourselves in our relationship with God. So that Because when we're going to come across things, eventually we won't have to be holding hands with, with our parent anymore. We can be able to go out on our own. And so it's important that we start maturing spiritually. And I say we, I mean me, I mean all of us. We need to continually be growing in our relationship with God and maturing, also known as sanctification. We need to mature so that we know him, so that we can know right and wrong and that we can make it because I tell you what there's things that are coming that we got to be able to differentiate between right and wrong we got to be able to see that this is a trap that this is a lie amen I'm getting ahead of myself so if we're like I said if we're to be mature Christians we have to at least be able to define what sin is right so we know that murder is sin right if you didn't know that now you do adultery is sin Stealing is sin, right? We, we know these things. And uh, a lot of times when we think sin, maybe we think, you know, the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not. Um, but just trying to not do bad is not the same as trying to live good, right? Trying to live as pleasing to the Lord. So simply trying to not do bad is is childish or spiritually immature way of looking at life so if we're going through life and we're just trying to not do the bad stuff then that can be kind of an immature way of looking at life well see i didn't kill anybody today so or, or i didn't steal anything i'm pretty much a good person right but that's not what it, that's not what that means that's not maturity that's just kind of a, a a childish way of looking at things when i or a spiritually immature way of looking at things we have to grow Jesus said, in fact, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 and 22, he said, You have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill. And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council, but whosoever say thou fool shall be in danger of hellfire. 
And then later on in Matthew chapter 5, verse 27 and 28, a couple of scriptures ahead, it says, Ye have heard that it was said, this is Jesus talking, Thou shalt not commit adultery, but I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath already committed adultery with her in his heart. So Jesus is saying that sin is not just the, the outward action. It's not just that rule. It's not just that checklist. It's not just, you know, saying I didn't do something. But it's a heart issue. That the sin can go on when nobody knows. The sin can go on when nobody sees you sinning. It's, it can be a heart issue. If you're angry at your brother without a cause, you've already committed murder. You've already killed in your heart. It's saying it's a little bit more than just following a little checklist. It's a heart issue. It's the substance that you're made of. It's that thing inside of you that's, that's direct. It's your, your conscience. It's your spiritual life. It's your walk with God. It's your life. So uh, we read in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16 says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. So those are things that you don't necessarily see. First John 5 and 17 says, all unrighteousness is sin. So getting a little specific here. It's not just the, the outward things. Even unrighteousness, it says, is sin. So that, that puts a little bit more pressure. James chapter 4 verse 17 says, Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So it's no longer that checklist, thou shalt not. It's a heart issue. So as Christians, we need to understand that sin in separation from God is more than just a failure to follow those Ten Commandments, those outward rules. It's this heart issue. Now, I think it's interesting that several times Paul made mention of some interesting uh, things. He said, he referred to Christ in, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 4. He said that uh, Christ is our life. He also said in Philippians 1.21, for to, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Our life should not just be about avoiding sin, but about living for Christ. The mindset, the, the way that we should approach this world. It should not just be about trying to get by, but it should be about our focus on him. To live is Christ. If you've heard that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If we want to live, it's Jesus Christ. It's not just not doing bad, but it's living for him. It's seeking after him. It's, it's searching for his word. It's trying to understand what he wants specifically for my life, what he's saying to me on a daily basis. It's a relationship with him. Paul had an understanding that it's more than just going through the motions. It's not, it's not just about being a, a, a Pharisee. It's about knowing him and having a relationship with him and seeking his word because only then can we differentiate what is right and what is wrong. The Bible says to study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman needeth not be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. If we want to know how to rightly divide, we got to study. We got to spend time in the word of the Lord. So that we can rightly divide 
what is right and what is wrong in this world. Because there's going to be some things that come against us that we're like, I'm, how do I do, how do I approach this? I'm not sure. I've never faced it before. There's all kinds of garbage that comes against us at work and at school. Things that maybe you've never thought of before or ever imagined before or ever thought that people would even go there. And we need to know how to give a good answer. We need to understand what right and wrong is. Even if somebody doesn't tell us that that's wrong. Even if we don't have that checklist. Well, pastor didn't say don't go there so I might as well go there because you know I don't see anything wrong with it and you know we need to we need to be mature we need to start learning how to feed ourselves this is something that every every Christian in this world needs to understand we, we don't need to stop at that feeling we don't need to stop at being born again because that's just the beginning because as we continue to go on that's just we are born and yes we're alive but we need to learn how to live if we're not going to just go through the motions and, and, and just survive, because if we just continually come to church and just continually seek for that feeling like a, like a child and we just want to feel good, that's, we're, we're not really living. We're just maintaining. And we go back and we hurt ourselves because we don't know that it's wrong to put our hand on that hot stove. We don't know that it's wrong to go there because we've not been learning. And there's something wrong with a, 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 a child who is not developing. And we need to know that. We need to know that we have to continue to grow in our relationship. Amen? Does that make sense? Our life should not just be about avoiding sin, but about living for Christ. So as the battle goes, much of what we wrestle with doesn't appear to be problematic at face value. And some of this is going to be kind of repeating. Computers, they're fine, right? We, I'm going to use a computer at work or whatever. Movies, let's say they're, they're fine, just, you know, depending on what you watch. Many activities are not necessarily bad. But with these activities come a plethora of subtle temptations. How do these activities affect your heart? At the end of the day, I have to ask myself this. How is this affecting my heart? And my, what does God think about me doing this? And I know that when you're binge watching something, that might not come to your mind. But I need to think about it. Because at the end of the day, is this wearing and tearing and putting miles and strain on my heart? Is this taking away from where I need to be? Am I overindulging? Am I spending too much time doing things that do nothing but pull me away from God? Is this actually making it harder for me to approach God? Am I creating a gap and a distance between me and the presence of God? These are questions that nobody else can tell you. These are things that nobody else can tell you. Because it's just you, your heart, your mind, and God. The things that you and I are facing today are very subtle it's just you and technology or you and whatever the, the the temptation your temptation may be and it might not just be in your face and no maybe nobody will ever know but God knows and and you will feel the difference amen does that make sense do they cause how does it affect your heart does it cause lust or envy, or hatred, or malice, or strife, or all, 
all of these things? Does it cause sin? What is it doing for me? And this can be not just, I'm not just bashing technology, but it can be anything. The places we go, the people we communicate with, the, the situations that we allow ourselves to get into, how long we go in this conversation, where we go in this conversation. What, what is, the, is this, this is something that I have to examine within myself. Nobody else is going to tell me. I have, to, I have to start knowing what does God think about this, to live as Christ to die is gain. To live is Christ. Uh, he is the way, the truth, the life. I have, what am I doing? Am I living? Because if I'm living, to live is Christ. To live is Jesus Christ. And, and I'm just saying, what if, what if we understood that? What if, we, uh, if that sank down deep within us? That would, that would probably change a lot of things. If, if we really got a hold of what that means, I'm talking about everyone. <laughs> what, what would that do for us? If we realized that to live is Christ. That would change our approach in everything that we do. Sorry, my computer. And I know for myself, that, that would, if, if we continually thought about that, certain situation, we would not allow certain things to happen. There's so many opportunities that you and I have to get out of a situation before we go there, if we're paying attention, if we're living, if that makes sense, if we're living the way that we're supposed to live. God has so much for us. He has so many things for us to live. It's not just getting by. Many of us are just satisfied with getting a good feeling and then surviving. But that's not living. We need to live. There's no drug. There's no thing. What we, if we realize what we have, we would see opportunities differently. We would see people differently. If I realized what I had more often and I walked in that, we wouldn't just have to force ourselves to try to get into the presence. We wouldn't have to force ourselves to try to get on the mindset, but we would be living after him. We would want to take the opportunity to pray. We would want to spend time with the Lord before we go into a situation that we know it's going to be challenging because you're going to be facing some stuff. It would change everything to live as Christ, to walk after him, Satan doesn't have to get you to break the law, but simply to be carnally minded. Because to be carnally minded is death. Romans chapter 8 verse 6. To be carnally minded is death. So he don't have, Satan doesn't have to do much. He don't have to sit there and try to show up and say, you know, you're going to do this or that. He, he just needs to distract you a little bit. Put a little bit of distraction in your life. Make opportunities. Put it in people to, to make opportunities to pull people away, to, to provide that sin in secret, to, to make a way for you to, to just start drifting from God. You don't have to do, it, it doesn't have to be very hard. Satan doesn't have to do much just to get you to kind of get your focus off of what really matters and try to do it yourself. And I can't do it myself. It, it doesn't work that way. We can't save ourselves, Amen. Your best isn't, isn't good enough. We need the grace of God in our life. Amen? Amen. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men in cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. To be no more children, this is what Paul was saying. We must grow up in him and be no more children. 
We got to grow up. We got to know what it means to, to feed ourselves. We got to know what it means to, to live for God and not just get by and not just do what pastor says at church on Sunday. Because to be honest with you, you know, I, pastor in any church, anywhere, they're going to preach to you and it's going to be awesome. But that's just a little bit. That should not be the only word that we get throughout our lives. This is, some, this is not just a show that we, you know, I'm a part of this, therefore you know kind of what I believe, and uh, I'm associated with the church, so therefore I don't do this. I don't drink and smoke, and I don't, you know. No, this is not a, a club. This isn't just a, a place where we go. This is, it should be about our relationship with God. And yes, we need to be a part of the church. We need to rub shoulders with like-minded people. But we got to get, I need to get this for myself. I need to continue. Lord, I need to know what it is you want for me today. I need to know what it is your word says about this situation so that I can rightly divide. I can't be a child or I'm going to get hurt. And I don't want to get hurt. So much, so much of the things that you and I face, sometimes it's just because we, we, we make spiritually immature decisions, I think. Yes, bad things happen, but I know a lot of times that we'll make a decision that really we hurt ourselves. We'll put ourselves in a situation and we'll get burned. And, and I know a big part of that and a good preventative measure is that we continue to know, well, what is right and wrong? We got to ask those questions. We got to find out. There ain't nothing wrong with asking questions either. There's nothing wrong with trying to grow up. That's why kids ask a whole bunch of questions. They don't know what it means. They want to know. And that's why I'm all about, hey, if you need something and you don't know something, ask the question. Amen? Amen. So and many of us are tossed to and fro and deceived because we don't take the time to grow and mature as Christians. <clears throat> I want to read uh, 1 John chapter 5, verse 20 and 21. 1 John 5, 20 and 21, it says, And we know that the Son of God has come. And hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true. And we are in him that is true, even in his son Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. And then the next verse, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. It's vitally important. That we realize that God has come and given us an understanding. To know him that is true and that is eternal life. To stop being little children. To be able to recognize sin and to live for him eternally. Amen. It's important to realize that Jesus, he's given us the directions that we need. He's given us the, the substance that you and I need to survive, to make it in this world. Sometimes things are going to come against us that are not obvious. Has anybody kind of fallen into that trap before, that something came up and you're like, you know what, Dad, I wish I was paying attention because I didn't see that coming, but if I was paying attention and if I was spending time I, I might have recognized that and it's so important that we walk not after the flesh but after the spirit so that our mind is renewed and so that our mind is focused on him that the way that we think is pleasing to the Lord and that's only going to come through a relationship with him amen that's only going to come in, in that quiet place 
if we've not gotten involved and, and had a, a personal relationship with God, if you've not tried to, to spend some time in the presence of God, you know, there's, there's a lot of opportunities. Sometimes we might feel like we don't have enough uh, unction to, to get started, maybe to, to develop a prayer life. Well, that's awesome because we do have, we have a prayer line. And you know what? Sometimes if you just turn that on and, and hit mute or whatever you feel comfortable with, you can just, just ha- other people are praying and there's something about it. Well, people are praying. Maybe I should start praying. And then kind of helps you get going until you develop a, a prayer life and a consistency to where you start spending time in the Lord, till you start to develop a hunger and a desire for the meat of the word so that you start developing this, this desire. I want more of him. I want to spend some time in his presence. I want to know what it is that he wants for me today, not just try to survive, but I want to know what God is speaking to me today because he is speaking. Amen. Many of the times we, we say, oh, God, why aren't you speaking? He is speaking. We don't listen. And I know that if we turn on our spiritual ears and start listening to the presence of the Lord, he is saying stuff to us all the time. And as we continue to listen, we're going to start making these decisions that lead us closer to him. You're going to start seeing that there's opportunities all around us to, to get involved in ministry. There's opportunity, opportunities all around us to, to start going deeper in the presence of the Lord. You'll see people who need to hear what you have to say, who need to know what you ha- have and so it's amazing that when we start getting involved and when we start listening and start seeking after him, how our life will completely change because we're no longer surviving and getting our spiritual fix, but we're living. Amen. Does anybody want to live for God? Does anybody want to experience the presence and the anointing of God? Hallelujah. God has more for you than you, uh, you imagine. There is more that is laid out before us. I don't want to sit by and continue to walk in this life and be numb. I don't want to go through my days feeling condemned and, and hurt because I continue to make bad decisions because of my investments, because of what I'm investing in. There is so much going on against you and I every single day, whether it's our car ride home, or whether it's a billboard, whether it's at home, everywhere we are bombarded with garbage. And it's time that we start growing so that we can feed ourselves. Hallelujah. We need this. Every Christian needs this. This isn't just for this particular location and you guys here today. As a Christian, we are fighting things every single day. We are in spiritual warfare. People do not know what we know. And it's time that we start knowing what it is that we say we know so that we can share it. Because I can't tell somebody something I don't have. I want to know what it is that he is speaking so that I can live life and that more abundantly. So that I have substance to share. So that I have something to walk on when I'm going through the garbage of this life. Because much of what we go through, we will sink and we will fall and we will get stuck in it. But if we're standing on a foundation that is sure, that rock called Jesus Christ, we will not fail and we will not fall. And even when we get sick in our body and even when we get sick in our heart... God is good, and you know that, and you know that you have enough substance to continue on. Things might get lost and broken, but I know that God loves me. I'm going to make it. There is, uh, there's a joy that's greater than the joy of this world. There's no drug that can come close to that. Goodbye, world. I don't care, because to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Even if I lose everything, I'm going to be with him. Even if I die because of my body is broken, and somebody 
hurts me. I don't, it doesn't matter because I know where I'm going. Goodbye world. I'm going with him. And so that's something that you and I, if we had that understanding, I, won't, I don't want to have dead church. I don't want to just come by and feel like I need to just dive into his presence because I've been avoiding him all week. I want to come to church knowing that I'm going to get hear a word from God and I'm going to be able to help pour into somebody else because I've been spending time in the presence of God. It's more. It's more. It's more than just getting taught. It's more than people telling me not to do things. It's me eating and drinking. It's me putting in this word, that bread of life, that spiritual water that flows up from out of your belly. You and I need that. We need to drink and we need to eat on our own so that we can survive. We're not just Christians at church. It's not about just being Christians to our neighbors here at church. It's easy to do that. It's, it's amazing because the easiest place for us to worship is in church. And it shows an indicator of my own spiritual walk if I can't even praise him in church where it's easy, where everybody else is already doing it. And so if I'm thinking, if I can't praise him here, what on earth am I doing at home? And so there, there's something I, I got to not just maintain here at church. I got to get my soul started. I got to spiritually push start myself when I'm not at church. So then when I do come in church, I can let loose and that I can be free and know that I'm surrounded with my brothers and sisters knowing that we're going in the same direction. We're searching after the presence of God. Lives are going to be changed. We want to see miracles. We want to hear signs and wonders. Then we got to get ourselves involved. We got to get our minds set on what matters more than the garbage that's waiting for us at home. Entertainment only goes so far. Entertainment is just a small thing. If we realize what life is really about doesn't matter about all the garbage and entertainment that might lay and wait for us at home if that entertainment is pulling us away from what really matters get rid of it it doesn't matter because there's something about being having joy than being entertained there's a difference than having joy and being entertained we seek for entertainment every day all the time. That is in the moral fabric of society to be entertained. And I'm not uh, against us having fun, but there's something that's more important than just being entertained because our entertainment is destroying our lives. Our entertainment is diverting and perverting us in our spiritual walk. We have to know what it means to live for him. We have to know what it means to mature in him because we are babies and we, babies, they, they can get kidnapped. They can get hurt. They can fall in ditches. They can trip and fall and scratch themselves. We got to be mature. We need to know what is coming. We need to know how to respond. It's time. We got to grow up. I need to grow up. Hallelujah. Does anybody believe that? Let's go ahead and lift up our voice. And let's praise the Lord. If you want to stand with me for a few minutes, Lord, and we give you praise. Because it's time that I grow, Lord. Me personally, not against any one person in this place, but Lord, I know you know what is going on in my life and in my heart. I want to be pleasing to you, Jesus. I don't want to just get by. Lord, I don't want to just stub my toe and continue to fall, but Lord, I want to know what it is that you want from me. I want to be pleasing in your sight. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's go ahead and give him a hand clap of praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I think it's important that as we grow in this life, there's all kinds of opportunities. There's all kinds of subtlety in the sins and things that we face. But as we continue to grow and mature in our relationship with God, you'll be able to recognize like Jesus recognized 
that that's not true. Remember when Satan tried to tempt Jesus, it sounded pretty, he was quoting scripture. But even when you come across somebody quoting a scripture out of context, you'll be able to recognize that that's not, that's not true. God, you have given me a word. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Amen. Let's continue to walk after him and continue to feed ourselves and mature in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, let's go ahead. And you guys, we have a, a couple of minutes. You can greet your neighbor, and then we're going to get started on this uh, main service. God bless you.